Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855 853 4802 or writing at com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And today, a listener quickly realizes his newly purchased home is a hotbed of activity. But what was it he gathered in an EVP session from a seemingly innocent voice that will forever haunt him? While honeymooning in Italy, a couple is perplexed by noises outside their hotel room door. A group of teens travel to Georgia to help with a church event, but they find they are not actually as welcome as previously thought. And could a figure from Native American folklore be stalking the streets in South Texas? Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruschi joining you once again. Hi. Hi. I would love... Uh, I'm not going to say the name. Well, actually, I might as well, because it's the name of our episode. The, the figure. Okay. Can we say it now, or should we Should we wait till the... Uh, the you can say it. S- skinwalker? Skinwalker. Skinwalker. Mm-hmm. That's a new term. Yeah. I'm excited to hear that story. Good. And that, that pertains to the, the last uh, headline we read there, of the figure from Native American folklore. So I'm uh, I'm excited, and you did a little little bit of background research on this too, so you can enlighten us all on what the what the Skinwalker is all about. Uh, just just <laughs> to the extent of what I could find okay. easily, I didn't do any in depth research or anything. Does it have a Wikipedia entry? Yep, it does. It does. That means you're you're got it going on if you're uh, an entity of some sort. If you have your own Wikipedia entry, <laughs> yeah, and it's not like demonicity or something. Uh, or Demon Wiki. I'm sure there's a Demon Wiki. As far as I know, this is a regular Wikipedia. Okay. Interesting. I'm excited about that. Phone number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you can also write it on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. We will uh, kick off the show today with a letter, and our first letter comes into us from Tony. It says, I bought my home here in Louisville, Kentucky about 12 years ago. The home sat vacant for about five years before we purchased it. The first week we moved in, there were signs of paranormal activity. Occurrences such as our hand-me-down recliner rocking on its own, multicolored orbs appearing out of nowhere, and even a shadow person standing at the foot of my bed just as I laid down one night. Intrigued by the paranormal events that took place throughout the years, I eventually got into EVPs and decided to investigate my home. Doing so opened a door that could never be closed. Right from the start, I began capturing voices through spirit boxes and recording them onto digital recorders. Aware that I could communicate with them, the spirits kicked their activity up a notch. All hours of the day, making random noises, moving things around, voices that came out of nowhere, doing anything they could to get my attention, to let me know that they were there. Hoping and even adamantly praying that I would hear their pleas and speak to them, Through the years, I made contact with many spirits. Some stayed, and others were just passerbys. But there was one spirit in particular that really affected me. A female child. Judging by her vocabulary and the tone of her voice, I would guess her to be around five years old. As most children do, she would often move things around and turn on toys in my two-year-old daughter's room. In November of 2014, one of our friends was in the bathroom doing her hair when some of the toys started moving around and going off, followed by a child laughing. After everyone left for the night, I turned on one of my spirit boxes and captured a young female voice ask, Daddy? I continued to try to communicate, and right before I said bye, she came through the box one more time and said, Daddy, I miss you. 
To hear the actual EVP for me is gut-wrenching. I even stopped pursuing EVPs because it affected me so much. As a parent, I didn't want to hear a child suffering. Then I think of the irony. Here is a child that's scared, missing her family, and would probably give anything to come back and live life to the fullest. And on the other hand, someone somewhere is missing their daughter, unaware that she is searching for them from beyond, and that there is a possibility to speak to her once again. I have the actual unedited EVPs mentioned above on file if you're interested in hearing them. Thanks, and I love the show. I don't know that I could handle hearing that. Send them in. <laughs> Tony wants them. I'm... Send them to Jenny? No. At... <laughs> you can send them to me, and then I will forward them on to Tony. Sure. I think it'd be interesting to hear them. Yeah. I, do you Do you think that this is something that's from another time where maybe, you know... The parents are not necessarily around anymore. Yeah, I wondered that. I wondered if she just needs to cross over and and hasn't, thinking that her parents are still there. Sure. Or we could also look at it from the other angle where all too often people hear children's voices and something intriguing or something longing or something needing. And uh, it intrigues them and they start interacting and it turns out not to be a child at all. Yeah, I mean, that could be it too. But... It you know this he said he bought the house in 2012 mm-hmm. so we got three years worth of time I would imagine if it was something dark that it would be already kicking stuff up yeah and considering that he had been trying to interact with them already yeah it was so interesting interesting story please do send that in there we would like to hear it uh, you can email uh, Tony at realghoststoriesonline.com Phone number here, 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to Cody's letter. Cody writes in, in May of 2010, my wife and I were vacationing in Italy for our honeymoon. One of our favorite destinations is Siena, Italy, a medieval Tuscan town about an hour south of Florence. They have a mad, crazy, awesome olive garden there, by the way. They do not. (laughs) Are you kidding me? And macaroni grill. And the best one? They, you ca- you have to try the fazolis there. Free breadsticks. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. Do they have uh, Olive Gardens in Italy? Is you know just to appease the Americans that go and visit? I have no idea. I would think that probably wouldn't go over too well with the locals. Sure, I, I could see it not going over, well, but for like the tourists, I could see them go. Oh, let's go to the Olive Garden. <laughs> you know, That's when, ridiculous. When you're right there, I think it's safe to say if you go to an olive garden when you're in italy you are an idiot (laughs) there you go (laughs) i think it's safe to say that it's one of those things i have um i have some relative that it's funny i'm I'm someone who always likes to go and try the food of wherever we're at Mm -hmm. you know if it's in the south or something i like to go some southern food or if it's up north you're basically you know you're gonna eat fried fish and you know wherever you know try the the local cuisine if you will. It's fun. It's it's something to do. And it's usually pretty good. Um, I have an aunt and uncle and cousins who, whenever they went on vacations with the kids, the only place they would ever eat was like Pizza Hut and McDonald's, no matter what. It's like, you're you're in this place and you're going to Pizza Hut? It's like, you gotta get going to Pizza Hut at home or whatever, sure, but... See, one of my favorite things to do when we travel is to ask the locals where they like to eat. Sure. Because I don't want to go someplace touristy because usually it's crap food. I want to go someplace that they would go and hang out and have fun. It was always like, well, you know, and and it's three boys and it was always like, well, you know, they're picky, you know, picky eaters. Uh, Okay, I I get that. But at the same point, then go find the local pizza restaurant, you know, or or the localized version of something if, if we have to be somewhat you know, vanilla with our choosings. Or let's not let them be picky eaters. Yeah. They get hungry enough. Those kids will eat. That's true. Children will eat. Especially if you blindfold them and play uh, Britney Spears music really loud and you force feed them. They will. They'll eat. Really? (laughs) Oh, Oh, wait. That's a torture technique. Uh, The phone number again, 855-853-4802. And we're in the middle of a letter, so let's just continue that. Sienna uh, uh, has uh, been around for over a thousand years. And it took the brunt of the bubonic plague, the Black Death, that swept through medieval Europe. You can feel that the buildings and uh, feel that in the buildings and the streets in Siena are saturated with deep history and turbulent emotions. My wife and I checked into the Hotel Alex 
just outside the castle walls and planned to stay three nights at the hotel. The hotel was a small building and its rooms were very old-fashioned. At the front desk, we were given an actual room key and we made our way to the room, which was down a short tile hallway at the end and to the left. There were maybe five other rooms in this hallway. Every step we took echoed off the walls and hardwood doors. Sound insulation and prevention was not a priority in this old hotel. Our room was a decent size with old antique furniture, a telephone booth-sized bathroom, and a window that looked out to the castle wall. On the second night we were staying at the hotel, we returned to our room around midnight and made every effort to be quiet as possible, walking down the hallway to our room. Our footsteps still produced quite a loud noise, and our room key unlocked our door with a loud metal bolt opening. There was a light in the hallway that was always kept on for guests to be able to see. We went to sleep shortly after midnight, and around 3 a.m., my wife and I both woke up suddenly because we heard the distinct sound of our door handle moving up and down. At first, we thought that someone was returning to their room late and must have tried the wrong door. We'd not heard anyone walking down the hallway that uh, our own steps had been so loud on before, and it was strange because it was just the handle moving and no attempt to try and insert a key. We lay there in bed, startled and quiet, but also not ready to react much because we were so tired having just been woken up. My wife and I dismissed it and tried to fall back asleep. Five minutes passed and we heard the door handle start moving again. I worked up the courage to look at the door and even through our room was dark. There was a good inch between the floor and where the bottom of our door started, which clearly showed the light from the hallway. I thought it was odd that we had heard no footsteps walk up to the door. I could see no one's shadow or anyone's feet and there was no attempt to put a key into the lock. We both tried to dismiss it again and soon the room was quiet and we were able to fall back asleep. The last night we were there I had my wife do a test. We created the same environment with a room dark with the room dark and the hallway light on and I lie in bed while I sent her to walk up to the door as quiet as inside the room and jiggle the door handle. As she did this I could hear her echoing footsteps on the tile and could easily see the shadow of her two feet standing at the door. The handle jiggling noise was the exact same as the night before. Her door handle moved twice that night and I can honestly say I don't believe it was from any living human. I think it's so weird that some ghosts all you hear are footsteps and some can just do stuff and no footsteps at all. Rollerblades. Gliding ghost. That's that's what it is. It's rollerblades. It's, it's after death rollerblades. You would hear that. <laughs> they, do they make noise? I never rollerbladed. You would hear that, yeah. Can you sh- can you pick your shoes when you're a ghost? I don't know. I think it depends on if you have feet. That's true. It's in, you know I'm, I bring that up because you know there's you know people wearing clothes we've talked about that before. Uh-huh. I, I mean I'm thinking if you're a ghost you're probably doing a lot of walking and wandering around so you probably want to have good shoes. I just wonder or do you not do your feet not get sore? I don't think you feel any more okay, pain. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. But I just find it weird that of all places where you would hear the footsteps. Yeah. That there was no footsteps. Yeah, it's true. Good story. I would pick rollerblades. Would you? No. I've had rollerblades. They're heavy and awkward, and I, I'm awkward anyway. What about skates? Just roller skates? The no. regular old... No. No. You never hear of a roller skating or rollerblading ghost. <laughs> no. I wonder if we'll get one of those stories now. 855-853-4802 is our number. Let's go to Peyton in Oklahoma. Hi. Hey, Tony. This is Peyton. I am from Edmond, Oklahoma. And the story that I have today is from... Uh, my grandma and there's a lot more to it this is just a little bit of a part and when she was younger they had an apparition that they called the pig man and my uncle Jerry his or her brother uh, was chased down the driveway to the pond at one point by this this creature Uh, it had gotten into Uncle Jerry's rooms. Uh, it used to be the original maid's quarter of the main house that was connected via the garage. Uh, back when uh, it would uh, get the uh, apparition, he would make gurgling noises and he would 
make growls and guttural, then there would be laughter. It was really weird, she would say. And uh, at one point, he was connected uh, to my grandmother, and he trapped her in a barn at one night. She had gotten home from work at nine and came home and drove her car up to the barn. She left the light the lights on her car so she could feed the horses. And when she got down in the loft, uh, she threw the hay down and heard the gurgle. She was extremely scared, and it was so dark in the stalls that she had to inch her way down the ladder and crawl in the feed bin. And he stood outside the opening. She heard him breathing. She could see him. And she couldn't explain well how she really felt about this thing but she was so scared she thought her heart could be heard by the creature and she saw this outline from her car light and she didn't know how long it was there but When it got quiet, she ran away uh, to her car. And when she got to it, the car had been turned off and the door was shut. She left (laughs) rut marks through the yard and refused to stay the night at her house. She went to her mother and fathers uh, who were out of town at the time and would never go back to that house again. But it didn't really matter because it came with her to where my mother had lived uh, when she was younger at a house called 7th Street. And that in and of itself is a story that has scared me because I got to deal with that one when I was little. Thanks, guys. I love the show. I plan on becoming an APP soon. Thanks for calling in and sharing that story. It's good, and we would love to hear more. So this is a different Pigman than Oscar's Pigman. I was going to say, I, we, I know we've had a Pigman before. Right. Okay. But Oscar's Pigman was called that because the man had a pig with him, the ghost. Okay, okay. This, I'm assuming, because of the noises and sure. everything, looked like a pig man half man half pig yeah that's what i'm guessing interesting demonic i think yeah yeah uh, probably not something that you'd base a sesame street character off of for children no no i would love to hear more of that though uh, our number of course is you know 855-853-4802 to call in and share your real ghost stories with us chris writes in About uh, five or so years ago, I went on a mission trip with my youth group to Georgia to hold uh, VBS for a church down there. When we stayed there, we had groups of three or four of us, and we would stay with members and their families. I was put in a group with four guys, so we had a family that had two separate rooms, so two stayed in one room, and I stayed in another, and another guy shared another. Well, the first night, the guy who was in my room woke me up and said he was seeing someone staring in his doorway. When I looked up, I saw the figure of someone in the doorway, and I was, and it was looking at us. I said, hello, uh, am I uh, snoring too loud? And when I didn't get a reply, I grabbed my phone for a light to shine at the door, and when I did, it was gone. I brushed it off as one of the church members checking on us or halfway sleepwalking. Well, the next night, we were asleep and got woken up by one of the other guys from the other room. He hit me in the arm and said, Don't scare us like that again. That wasn't funny. I asked him what he was talking about, and he described to me what he and the other guy had saw, and I told him that's what happened to us the night before. So the next morning before we left, we were going to talk to the church members. When we brought it up to the people whose house we were staying in, they got spooked because they had the same thing happen to them in the house multiple times. I never said anything to anyone. Another time I was at my uncle's house playing pool with him, and his son was downstairs watching TV. 
There was a walkway that uh, you can look from the doorway down to the living room where the TV is. Well, I and my uncle were playing pool with the door closed, and we both hear the door rattle like someone is pushing and pulling on the door by the handle. My uncle goes and opens the door, and there's no one there. He looks down to the living room, and there his son is on the couch. He just closed the door and said he guessed a door to the outside opened and made the door rattle, but I thought to myself that we would have heard a door open and closed for that to happen. I shrugged it off and we kept playing till we heard three loud bangs on the door like someone is slamming their hand on the door. My uncle swings the door open and nothing is there. We both go to the railing on the walkway, yelling at my cousin for scaring the crap out of us, and he's yelling, saying that it was us and we scared him. But we didn't do it, and he didn't do it. Needless to say, I haven't been back over there in a while. Thank you for the outlet to tell my stories. I grew up in a very conservative Christian background and was taught not to believe in the paranormal. But I have made a choice that I do believe and have had experiences that I haven't been able to talk about to anyone other than my wife. I have more stories of things that I and my wife have experienced, but I'll leave those for another time if you'd like to hear them. So I'm glad that they were able to talk to the people that had the house to just put their mind at ease so that they weren't imagining something or didn't feel like they were imagining something. Yeah. That's a little unsettling. Hey, yeah, come stay with us. Oh, by the way, there's a ghost that's going to watch you sleep. You know, it's one of those things where... If you're the the owner of the house and you have that happen when you have house guests, you can kind of write it off in your mind as, oh, it's just probably somebody staying with us that's doing this. Right. But when you're the owner of the house and you don't have any guests and you happen to see a guest uh, in your doorway, uh, yeah, that'd be a little bit unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. Just just a smidge. Thank you for that uh, that story. We really do appreciate that. Allison writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. Absolutely love the show. I binge listen while working at my office job. I consider myself to be sensitive and a developing empath. I have a few minor paranormal stories of my own, but the story I have today is one my mother told me. You've expressed interest in doppelgangers, and this could very well be one of those stories. My mother and her family went camping in their motorhome often, While she was growing up, it was always her, her two sisters, and my grandparents. On this particular trip, they were working their way down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They parked their motorhome and went to the shower house to clean up before they fixed dinner and lit a campfire. As they all left the shower house, they saw who they believed to be my grandpa's brother. My grandpa had several brothers, and they all looked very similar. Not an uncommon thing among families. My grandpa, mother, and her sisters approached him, expecting to surprise their brother, uncle. However, it was them that ended up being surprised. Upon greeting him, they realized this was not their family member. He made no recognition of them and seemed startled by the people approaching him. My grandpa never knew a stranger and was a bit of a joker, so he struck up a conversation and explained the situation. My grandpa was to learn this stranger had the exact same name as his brother, the one he'd been mistaken for. Interestingly enough, my grandpa's brother did end up surprising them on the trip later on, even bringing my mother's grandmas along. My mother said it was a strange trip. I've asked my mother several times about this story. She laughs at the idea of what she experienced being a doppelganger. From all I can gather, this man acted exactly like her uncle. Same name, mannerisms, and everything, except that it wasn't him. So, I ask, could this be a doppelganger or just a freaky situation where two people with the same name and looks were at the same location? My grandparents were from rural Kentucky and were quite superstitious, though also religious. Perhaps mountain superstition played a part in this. Would love to know your thoughts, and I'll write back with more stories in the future. Much appreciation, Allison. You know, they they say everybody in the world has a twin, which, mm-hmm. you know, the odds of finding that person that supposedly looks just like you unless you were born with that twin are pretty slim. But for it to be enough likeness that you fool your family... That's kind of strange. Mine's Al Capone. Yeah, you do look like Al Capone. <laughs> for real. If I put a little more weight, I could really pull it off. Yeah. Um, here's my thought on it. Because the uncle did show up later on this trip with a surprise. Was this something that it really was the uncle? 
He was just goofing. And he didn't want to blow the surprise, so he just kept playing along and was shocked to the fact that the family bought it. (laughs) And just like, oh my God, okay, I'm going to say, you know, thinking that it would be given away when he says, oh no, I have the exact same name too. And the family would be like, okay, jokes, uh, we get it, you know. But they kept going, oh really? Is he really not him? And he just kept playing it. You know, I wonder... If if that's the case, and it's one of those things that the uncle just kind of kept to himself for the rest of his life, you know, of just like, oh, got them. I'm never going to let them. I'll let them think whatever they want. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but I think if I was having a hard time believing that it wasn't who it really was, I'd be like, okay, if you really aren't who you say you are, you're really not who I think you are. Show me your driver's license. Sure. And then, yeah, yeah. It does make it awkward, but not any more awkward than <laughs> sincerely thinking that this person is sure. your family member. Yeah, IDing a stranger is not that much more awkward when you've already gone down that road. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I I could see it being just the uncle having the secret. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's really hard to tell. 855-853-4802. That's our number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Olivia writes in, my husband and I bought a new house in 2010, two weeks after we moved in. He went out of town for a week. While he was gone, I was there alone with my dog. Strange things started to happen the night he left. I was in one of the spare bedrooms unpacking and my dog was looking at the ceiling and started to bark, but nothing was there. Then the next morning, I was in bed alone when all of a sudden my ceiling fan and the lights came on. I jumped up, turned it off, and thought it was probably something electrical. I didn't think anything of it. As time went by, I noticed other things in the house. Black mass in the corner of the room was always there at night. There was always a creepy feeling, like someone was looking at you in the corner where the mass was. Then every night around three in the morning, you could always hear the cabinet door open and close. It was like someone opened the door and closed it back very lightly. It didn't slam, but you could hear it. I really couldn't explain that, but I didn't think anything of it. I was used to it, and I really didn't notice it after a while. After two years of living there, my sister came to visit me. I never told her about the strange things that happened in the house. The second morning of her being there, I heard her yell for me around three in the morning. She said, What are you doing in the kitchen? Are you making breakfast? It's 3.30. So I told her it wasn't me, and that ever since I'd lived there, I've heard it every night. I never talked about it because I never wanted to acknowledge it. I sold the house a year ago and sometimes wonder if new owners can hear the cabinets every night like I did. So cabinets are a weird thing with ghosts. I don't know why they feel the need to do that. Are they just checking to see what you've got to eat because they wish they could? I mean, what is that? (laughs) I think it's an easily manipulated object. Yeah. You know, you think of the energy it takes to push a cabinet open, especially for the older ones. Sometimes they, you know, wind... Mm-hmm. Or a breeze can can move them out. So uh, maybe it's just one of those objects that um, is noticeable and easily manipulated. Okay. And that's why it's kind of a focal point. You know, because it, it takes more effort to pick something up. Okay. As opposed to just kind of essentially use a little bit of energy to move something on a hinge. That's just my thoughts. That would really suck to be a ghost and all you could do is open and close a cabinet. Unless you're really into uh, kitchens. <laughs> yeah. You know, that could be, it could be a blessing or a curse, <laughs> depending <laughs> on what you like. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number. Genesis writes in, it didn't happen to me, but one of our neighbors told us uh, what uh, she was, uh, when she was young, a storm passed where she lived and knocked out the power. It was nighttime, so the family decided to bring pillows and blankets to the living room and sleep there. A couple of hours later, her younger brother woke up, telling her he heard something in the hallway. She was going to tell him to go back to sleep, that it was just the storm, until she heard the noise as well. It sounded as if there was someone walking around, but all of the family members were in the living room. They heard the footsteps stop at the doorway, and when they looked up, a flash of lightning showed their grandfather looking at them tenderly. He got down to their level, stroked their hair, and mouthed the words, I'll always be there for you, before he turned and left. It wasn't until the next morning when the phone line was back up again that they learned that their grandfather had died of a heart attack the night of the storm, hours before he appeared in front of them. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. We hear that all too often. Yeah, where they just 
they come up before they're dead even. Well, this is this was just it said showed up what was it before? Just before. Okay. Yeah. Which we hear that, you know, that that does seem to happen where the the I don't know why it would be before or maybe you need that extra boost of living energy to pull that one off. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. But uh Interesting. I wonder if the, the people are conscious when that's happening or if they're already, you know, if they're kind of in a, a catatonic state, you know, sleeping or... Right. You know, and then it's it's occurring. It'd be interesting if they're able to do it while being awake and conscious and, oh, yeah, he's over there too. Yeah, I don't know. That yeah. would still be very unsettling, especially in that setting where <laughs> it's already a dark and stormy night. Yeah. You know, and then the ghost of grandpa shows up. I'll be here for you. Boom, gone. A little creepy. Just yeah. a little. John writes in, Hey, Tony and Jenny, got a weird story for you guys who live in a small border town along the tip of deep south Texas. About three months ago, my brother told me he saw something that has been making him question his sanity ever since. He's the type of guy who will get up in the middle of the night and check outside the house to see if everything is all right. Some of the neighbors have had some of their property stolen, so he likes to make sure all his is good. According to him, it was around 3.15 a.m., and he heard a chorus of dogs barking loudly and aggressively down the alley behind our house. So he gets up, walks down the hall, and stares out the back door window while facing south. After gazing out the window for about five minutes, he swears he saw what he can only describe as a combination of a humanoid-type figure with the head of a wolf-looking animal dart down the alley in a flash. He describes being able to see its ribs protruding through its skin as it ran. He said it looked like it was uh, bending over with its palms flat on the ground, kind of like uh, the way someone would bend down to touch their toes if they were stretching. He added that it didn't really look too hairy, but appeared to have human skin, all while possessing a translucent white smoke color all around it. Even as it was hunched over, he said it was about five feet tall and five feet long. The following day, he told my parents about it, and they happened to mention it to one of the neighbors. Turns out a few days before my brother's sighting, their boxer had been stolen from their backyard. Instead of thinking my parents and my brother were a bunch of kooks, the lady neighbor whom we found out came from a Native American background and whose Native American mother had given her the dog as a gift, told my parents it was probably what Native Americans refer to as a skinwalker and that it was probably looking for her stolen dog. She also mentioned that whoever stole the dog was probably cursed by now. I know this story sounds bizarre, but unfortunately, I don't have any pictures or any other type of evidence to present to you all. My family and I have all experienced and witnessed some sort of supernatural or paranormal instance at some point or another. Maybe I'll share some more of those experiences at a later time. For now, ask if any of you have ever heard of a, or experienced such a thing as a skin walker or anything similar. Thanks. P.S. Can't wait to hear Tony's wise-ass comments. I had never heard of this until I started looking into it after I initially read the story. And it's a Native American folklore, um, primarily like Southwestern of U.S. Indian tribes like Navajo and Ute have a theory, or not a theory, but a belief that this is somebody that was, that committed horrible things and ended up turning into a witch essentially okay. and then this witch can take on whatever form it wants to usually it's a coyote or a wolf or an owl or some type of you know closely tied native american figurative animal you know whatever okay. the tribe believes to be a sacred animal okay um as kind of a disguise and it goes around and it does bad things interesting yeah my wise ass comment was maybe it's ed gein's dog now, Ed Gein, do you know Ed Gein? Green River Killer? Uh, I don't know. I don't. He was a killer in Wisconsin. Okay. Um, and Ed Gein was a horrible murderer. He was one where he would make lampshades out of people's skin. Oh. Um, and all sorts of just just lovely things. He was up north. Okay. Near the Wausau area. I can't think of the town that he was out of. Um, I... Uh, I drove. I've driven by the graveyard that he's in, and it's it's constantly defaced, and the gravestone is constantly stolen as well. Yeah. Um. But uh, that's where I was going with that, just because you know the skin, you know, Ew. and and how he made like lampshades and shit out of people, and uh, I was thinking, oh, he you know made a little outfit for a dog, or that's something. Just gross. Disturbing and wrong, and there is my wise ass comment. 
We should have the voice guy do something. And now, Tony's wise-ass comment of the show. I mean, you have to have something prepared. Yeah, and I just I just use it every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, that just, that's horrible. That's really creepy and disturbing. Yeah, very right? much. Nothing I ever would want to, to see. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to Crystal in South Carolina. Hi. Hi, my name is Crystal from South Carolina, and I'm going to tell the story of my uh, haunted Christmas present that my sister got. Okay, I'm going to read it off a letter. I just turned 17, the year my three-year-old sister Kara got an animatronic plastic dog for Christmas. Seems harmless enough, or so we thought. After the holiday spirit died down, however, weird things started to happen. I walked through my mom's office one day on New Year's Eve when I heard the toy say one of its little phrases as I passed by it. Can I turn that off? I asked my mom, a little freaked out. She didn't even look up from her work as she said, I already did, that thing was possessed. Thinking she was joking, I walked over, turned off the toy, and walked away. Well, in January of the next year, I was home alone with my sister, Kaylin who's 12, and my brother, Carson, who's 15. We were all homeschooled, so they were doing their homework in another room on the far side of the house while I was in the kitchen eating cereal and listening to your podcast. All of a sudden, I heard this violent clicking that sounded like a mini plastic chainsaw running. I stopped almost immediately. The washing machine was right across the hall, so I assumed it was that. But a few minutes later, I heard the noise again, longer and louder this time. I was a little scared now, but not totally freaked out yet. Then, out of nowhere, all the toys in the playroom started going off at the same time. I screamed and ran to the other end of the house where my siblings were. I told them what happened, and my sister told me something bad had happened to her the night before. The toy dog had been put in the playroom for the night, and everyone's asleep. Suddenly, my sister heard a sound coming from the living room that she described much like the plastic chainsaw noise I had heard, but louder and all over the place. When it stopped, she called for my mom, whose room was across the hall, and asked if the if she was in the living room. My mom replied she thought my sister was in the living room. Neither one of them wanted to go out and check, so my mom said, on three, we'll count the other. One, two, three. When Kaylin went to investigate, my mom wasn't there, but she found the toy dog staring at her in the middle of the living room. Confused, she turned it off and put it back in the room. She said when she woke up the next morning, it was in her bedroom, staring at her. We both, we were both scared, but I wanted to finish my cereal. Carson is rather paranoid is a rather paranoid person and keeps several weapons in his room. So I armed myself with a samurai sword and handgun while my sister took a double-edged machete. We crept to the kitchen toward the playroom. As soon as both of us looked into the playroom and laid eyes on the toy dog, and started convulsing and making that plastic chainsaw noise. Kaylin ran screaming. I dropped the handgun and proceeded to bludgeon the toy with the samurai sword until it stopped moving. Once again, I picked it up and took it with me back to where my brother was on the other side of the house. We placed on top of the TV so we could watch it if it moved again. When I came home from dance later that night, I saw the dog sitting on my bed, staring at me. I assumed or hoped it was Mitchell, a family friend, who was in his late 30s and was giving us and was living with us until he got through his divorce and goodbye in his own house without complications. I ran into the game room where Mitchell was playing Xbox and threw the dog at him. He didn't flinch until he realized it was that it was the dog. Get that demon toy away from me, he said. And then he told me what the dog had done to him. He told me as soon as he got home from work and saw the dog sitting on the TV where we had left earlier. It start, As soon as he laid eyes on it, it started convulsing and making the loud noise again. It fell off of the TV and landed on the floor. He, a full-grown man, said he was completely terrified of the toy. Because he was a prankster, he thought it would be funny to put the toy in my bed and dissipate the horror of the situation. I was mad, but I decided just to blame the dog. The creepiest thing was that I was absolutely positive I turned the toy off before I left the house that day. My oldest brother said the switch turned, my family friend said the switch was turned on when he got home. My other siblings and I were too scared to turn the thing back on, so how did it turn back on? I wanted to get rid of the thing, but my parents insisted that Carol would miss it, even though the toy freaks them out as well, so... Yeah, I love your podcast. I'm not sure what's wrong with this dog, but I'll give you any updates if I hear about it. I haven't seen it lately, but similar things have sort of happened. So, thanks for listening to my story. 
and I hope you can use it on the show, and I'll let you know if anything else happens. Bye. Okay, to me, the scariest imagery of the story is the group of kids with the weapons. That's exactly where I was going. The samurai sword, the handgun, and the double-edged machete. <laughs> a group of children running around with heavy weaponry. That was the disturbing... That was more disturbing, way more disturbing than the than the doll. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, well... I'd suggest maybe not having so many weapons, although it's the, it sounds like the children parenting the children there if those weapons are around the house um, within that sort of access. You know, if, if you've bludgeoned the dog with a samurai sword, it's probably not in its original state. I would say it's safe to throw it away, that Kara probably isn't going to miss it now, that it's torn to shreds. Good thing they didn't shoot it. <laughs> my brother emptied nine rounds into it <laughs> and it came back well that's the thing though I mean it, it, if this thing is coming back though I mean you can probably destroy it and it will continue to return yeah it's you where know. you gotta bury it it's a uh, well even that won't work ah <laughs> uh, yes I, I yeah <laughs> it's like little rascals with weapons 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to Megan in California. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Megan calling. I'm calling from California. I recently moved down here from Portland, Oregon. I've written in and called before, although I have sent some of my stories anonymously if they involved people I know. Um, but I uh, wanted to tell you a couple of quick things about my old house and my new house. Um, so when I was getting ready to move out of my place in Portland, um, and the house that we lived in in Portland had a really negative energy, and I had uh, quite a few paranormal experiences, uh, many of which I had shared with you all already. Um, and my husband came down to California a few weeks before me because they needed him right away, and I stayed behind to pack up the house. And... Um, Usually, I'm definitely not somebody who is af afraid of being alone in the house, but I definitely um, definitely felt uh, the paranormal heaviness a lot more as soon as he left and I started packing up. And the more and more I put things outside, um, I don't know if you all are familiar with the, the pods people use to move now, but I had a couple of pods in the front of my house for a few days. So it was definitely you know over the course of about a week that I was kind of slowly moving out. And the more and more things came out, the more and more it seemed like the paranormal activities that happen in my house um, were happening at a much more rapid rate and I actually did start to feel kind of frightened um, for example you know we had always had problems with our light bulbs and had actually had an electrician tell us that it was probably a ghost um, and it started to be that I couldn't get any kind of lights in any fixture or lamp to stay on and was like using flashlights at night um, and I was actually kind of feeling so creeped out that at night I would either go and stay at a friend's house or a friend would come and help me pack and, and spend the night with me. Um, and on the very last night when so pretty much everything was out of the house and I was sweeping and mopping the floors, tiny little black worms that were like wiggly like looked like kind of like larva just a couple of like centimeters long um started to come up from the floorboards and I, of course i was horrified um and the the first time i saw it i was by myself and went and got paper towels but when i went you know to kind of, to clean it up there you know there was like no mass to them and they would they were still there but i could not rub them away or move them um and the next night which was going to be my last night before I left a, a friend came to help me um and it started to be in in every room that these worms were coming out so much um that she and I both left um and <laughs> I actually stayed in a motel that last night um and 
As soon as I got to California, felt a lot better, bought some white sage on the way down and um, smudged the house here. Definitely a newer house, a brighter neighborhood, um, and just definitely a lot better energy in this house. But my landlord called a few days after I got here. The landlord um, we had back in Portland and um, and he said, I wanted to talk to you. I, I came over to your house to do an inspection to you know, give you all your deposit back. And there were decapitated rats all over the house. Um, and we had had a very good relationship with our landlord. He had been kind of a father figure to me when my father passed away. And, um, you know, he said he knew that I would clearly not have had done that but you wanted to know did anybody else have any keys had I left it open um nothing like that and he said there were no signs of any break-ins or or anything like that and he said that there were 13 of them um and I just um I have no explanation for that I feel like that has to be something a human did um and it makes me wonder if the house was cursed somehow, if, somehow, if somebody had put a curse on the house or something like that. Um, our next door neighbors had always been um, incredibly vicious towards us for no particular reason. Um, and they, their kind of negativity towards us definitely escalated in the weeks that we were moving out. Um, so I kind of suspect them. I don't know how they would have gotten into the house or why they would have done that or what that would mean. Um, you know, the number 13 tends to be an auspicious number, um, but definitely felt really creeped out about that and was really glad to be in my new nice home in California. <laughs> um, and things here, especially with the you know, doing weekly smudging with the white sage and everything has felt really, really good here. And my husband and I share a car. And typically in the mornings, if either I'm going to drive him or if he's going to take the car for the day and I don't need it, um, either way, he wakes me up. And it's a little bit hard to wake me up because I'm an insomniac and I sleep with I actually sleep with two sleep masks and noise-canceling headphones. And uh, so he will either say goodbye or wake me up to give him a ride by just kind of shaking me gently with his hands. Um, you know, definitely a very gentle touch. And lately, um, on the days that he has taken the car, and I do, like, I am awake. Like, I get up, I make him a little bit of breakfast, make sure his shirt's ironed, you know, he has his lunch, all of that good stuff. Um, so I'm fully awake. But I do usually go back and lay down after he leaves. And I actually, that's usually the time of the day that I listen to your podcast because it's a little too scary to listen to at night. <laughs> um and I usually lay in bed with my headphones and my eye mask again while I listen to your program. And I usually get up for the day when it's over. And the past two weeks, on um, the mornings that I have not driven him, which just happened to be most mornings the past couple of weeks, after he has left and I'm awake but in bed with the headphones and the eye masks um, and listening to your program, I have felt um, the exact same sensation of, you know, hands gently rousing me and kind of pushing me back and forth as though to, to wake me. And I always immediately rip off the eye mask and headphones because I think that he is back and there must be some kind of emergency or he's lost some paper he needs or something like that. And there's never anybody there. And uh, we don't have any children. We don't have any roommates. Um, we do have a dog, but the dog has never been nearby. And it definitely is not the feeling of dog paws. It's definitely the, the feeling of fingers on me. Although it's very gentle and doesn't feel that scary. It just feels really weird. It's not like leaving marks on me or anything like that. And still feel like there's good energy in the house. And I wonder if it's some kind of like psychic 
doppelganger effect or something like that. Um, so definitely curious if your listeners or you have any uh, thoughts on either of those two stories. Um, so thanks for doing the show, guys. I'm an EPP, and I really love it. I always uh, do my Saturday housework uh, right after I get my email, and I encourage everybody else to do the same. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for the call, Megan. We always appreciate your stories. Uh, yeah, nothing like decapitated rats. I First, when I heard that, I thought maybe somebody got in there while it was empty and did some kind of... Ritual? ritual, yeah. But she said that they looked and there was no signs of forced entry or anything. Or, you know, you wouldn't think that somebody would have a key and get in there and do that. But that's gross. And there's no reason for... I mean, there's no logical reason for 13 decapitated rats to be in an apartment or a house or whatever. It does sound like some sort of ritualistic thing that was done. It does. Like putting a hex or a curse or something on someone and that was part of it. I wonder if the neighbors, the the vicious neighbors had anything to do with it. Maybe there was something going on there that was also causing some of the other weird things to be going on. Um, but uh, quite bizarre. Do you think it was the work of humans that were, that put the rats there with something like that ritualistic? Or do you think it was a paranormal event and spontaneous rat head popping off combustions? <laughs> I have no idea. I really, I don't know. I just really thought more like a ritual was done. Yeah. It's a good thing you have a good relationship with your former landlord or you would have yeah. never known that happened and they could have really been like, whoa, that's awful. <laughs> you know, they like, why did, uh, why did they leave it like that? Did you get your deposit back? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> that's my question. <laughs> or is there like a clause in there for like every decapitated rat, we take $20 off your deposit? <laughs> Wow. It's a new, it's a, you know how like so many um, things that you sign and so many uh-huh. contracts and writers, a lot of times uh, if you read through them, uh, there there's often very strange things in them. Yeah. And it's things that, that that owner who's issuing the contract has had to add as an addendum over the years just to cover the you can't make this shit up. Uh, stuff just so it's there sure so I'm wondering if the new addendum that that landlord is giving renters also has a clause in there about you know if you don't clean the cabinets it's ten dollars per cabinet if the fridge is dirty to clean it's ten dollars for the fridge we find the decapitated rats ten dollars a rat you know it's just and then that continues to read like just go on just oh yeah so nonchalantly the rats are in there amongst cleaning supplies you actually owe us money because of the rats yeah yeah I don't know <laughs> it's that is disturbing thank Thank you for uh, for that call uh, and the guys thank you for all of your stories if you like the show please support it uh, as you've heard many folks say how much they love being EPPs it's only five bucks a month you get uh, all those bonus episodes 26 now uh, sent to you directly when you sign up uh, plus you get a brand new episode bonus episode every single week sent directly to you via email sign up on the website realghoststoriesonline.com that's what keeps our show alive so if you like the show you want it to continue on for many a moons to come sign up and support it on the website realghoststoriesonline.com Online.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.